Chapter Thirty Two of A Daughter of Today by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. In the week that followed Janet Cardiff's visit to Elfrida's attic, these two young women went through a curious reapproachment. At every step it was tentative, but at every step it was also enjoyable they made sacrifices to meet on most days they took long walks together and arranged lunches at out-of-the-way restaurants they canvassed eagerly such matters of interest in the world that supremely attracted them as had been lying undiscussed between them until now the intrinsic pleasure that was in each for the other had been enhanced by deprivation and they tasted it again with a keenness of savour which was a surprise to both of them their mutual understanding of many things their common point of view reasserted itself more strongly than ever as a mutual possession they could not help perceiving its value janet made a fairly successful attempt to drown her sense of insincerity in the recognition she janet was conscious of a deliberate effort to widen and deepen the sympathy between them an obscure desire to make reparation she hardly knew for what combined itself with a great longing to see their friendship the altogether beautiful and perfect thing its mirage was and pushed her on to seize every opportunity to fortify the place she had retaken elfrida had never found her so considerate so appreciative so amusing so prodigal of her gay ideas so much inclined to go upon her knees at shrines before which she sometimes stood and mocked she had a special happiness in availing herself of an opportunity which resulted in elfrida's receiving a letter from the editor of the st george's asking her for two or three articles on the american colony in paris and only very occasionally she recognized with a subtle thrill of disgust that she was employing diplomacy in every action every word almost every look which concerned her friend she asked herself then despairingly how it could last and what good would come of it whereupon fifty considerations armed with whips drove her on perhaps the most potent of these was the consciousness that in spite of it all she was not wholly successful that as between elfrida and herself things were not entirely as they had been they were cordial they were mutually appreciative they had moments of expansive intercourse but janet could not disguise to herself the fact that there was a difference the difference between fit and fusion the impression was not a strong one but she half suspected her friend now and then of intently watching her and she could not help observing how reticent the girl had become upon certain subjects that touched her personally the actress in elfrida was nevertheless constantly supreme and interfered with the trustworthiness of any single impression she could not resist the pardoning role she played it intermittently with a pretty impulsiveness that would have amused miss cardiff more if it had irritated her less for the certainty that elfrida would be her former self for three days together 
janet would have dispensed gladly with the little bohemian dinner in essex court in honour of her book or the violets that sometimes dropped out of elfrida's notes or even the sudden but premeditated occasional offer of elfrida's lips meanwhile the halifaxes were urging their western trip upon her lady halifax declared roundly that she was looking wretchedly miss halifax suggested playfully the possibility of an american heroine for her next novel janet repelling both publicly admitted both privately she felt worn out physically and when she thought of producing another book her brain responded with a helpless negative she had been turning lately with dogged conviction to her work as the only solace life was likely to offer her and anything that hinted at loss of power filled her with blank dismay she was desperately weary and she wanted to forget desiring besides some sort of stimulus as a flagging swimmer desires a rope one more reason came and took possession of her common sense between her father and elfrida she felt herself a complication if she could bring herself to consent to her own removal the situation she could not help seeing would be considerably simplified she read plainly in her father that the finality elfrida promised had not yet been given doubtless an opportunity had not yet occurred and janet was willing to concede that the circumstances might require a rather special opportunity when it should occur she recognized that delicacy decency almost demanded that she should be out of the way she shrank miserably from the prospect of being a daily familiar looker-on at the spectacle of lawrence cardiff's pain and she had a knowledge that there would be somehow an aggravation of it in her person in a year everything would mend itself more or less she believed dully and tried to feel her father would be the same again with his old fond humour and criticism of her enthusiasms his old interest in things and people his old comradeship for her john kendall would have married elfrida bell what an idyll they would make of life together and she janet would have accepted the situation her interest in the prospective pleasures on which lady halifax expatiated was slight she was obliged to speculate upon its rising which she did with all the confidence she could command she declined absolutely to read bryce's american commonwealth or miss bird's account of the rocky mountains or anybody's travels in the orient upon all of which miss halifax had painstakingly fixed her attention but one afternoon she ordered a blue serge travelling dress and refused one or two literary engagements for the present and the next day wrote to lady halifax that she had decided to go her father received her decision with more relief than he meant to show and janet had a bitter half-hour over it 
then she plunged with energy into her arrangements and lawrence cardiff made her inconsistently happy again with the interest he took in them supplemented by an extremely dainty little travelling clock he became suddenly so solicitous for her that she sometimes quivered before the idea that he guessed all the reasons that were putting her to flight which gave her a wholly unnecessary pang for nothing would have astonished lawrence cardiff more than to be confronted at the moment with any passion that was not his own End of chapter thirty two